0: D-Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show, and if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome in a man who ain't ever giving you that fake smile. You've given you've seen him on the gridiron, on a lake, in the ESPN studios dropping that fire and even on commercials talking about Duke's Mayo. He <laughs> loves, and I mean loves him some Carson Wentz. The man with that southern yeah, charm. <laughs>
1: We're talking to Swag Goo, my man Marcus
0: Spears. Marcus, how's it what going, up, man?
1: What up, fellas? I'm good, man. I can't complain, brother. I had a day off today. Um so I ain't do nothing. I sat on sat sat on the couch watched some TV and now I'm at my son. I'm I'm sitting in the car outside of my son baseball practice want to curse him out cuz he ain't throwing the ball right right now. Your son a pitcher? He pitches and he plays right field, man. Long, lanky, lefty, bro. And um, hopefully he can go make some money and I can use him as an insurance policy.
0: (laughs) I love that. Um, (laughs) But since you're right now the only uh, pro athlete, so I want to start with this. You were a two-sport athlete, uh, which I saw basketball was the other. I want to know, did you have a three-point game when you played?
1: I had an all-around game, man. I was a, I was a, what they say right now. And I was, I, I, I was a hooper, Don't, bro. I, I didn't you, limit myself to being under the basket, or I felt like if you couldn't ever look. This is the bottom line. I grew up in in the hood in South Baton Rouge. If you couldn't play basketball and you couldn't dribble, couldn't shoot, you wasn't gonna get picked. So I <laughs> had to make sure. I could do all all that needed to be done. And um, actually, man, my sister was my idol, and she was a basketball – she played basketball and had scholarships from every school in the country, ended up going to LSU, and, and my whole mission was to be better than her in basketball. So, honestly, that's how I got good, trying to be better than her. My sister got picked before me when we played in the park. She was all the way up until I was a probably I was in probably seventh, seventh or eighth grade is when I started giving people the business on the basketball court. <laughs> but up until then, up until then it was my sister, man. So I was chasing her. And then eventually it ended up working out for me and I got recruited by everybody in the country in basketball.
2: I'm cur- I'm curious, man, because you know, you're an elite high school player, tight end, defensive player, basketball player. Obviously, you went to LSU, but what was the best recruiting pitch you heard that wasn't
1: from LSU? Oh, it was Miami, man. God, Ooh. I, mean, I almost did it. I almost did it. I I landed I landed in Miami, and I don't know if you guys ever been, but that drive, when you driving across that water. Okay. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm home. And then when you get there and you see the girls – <laughs> you like, what are what are these? And being 17, man, being 17, all of that stuff kind of gets you, it gets you caught up. Uh-huh. And fortunately, fortunately for me, um, and the pitch was great. Let me be honest, like um Chazin, Rogers the NCA was the coach there, and I played tight end. I was being recruited as a tight end. And when I was coming out of high school, I wouldn't be recruited on defense, and um, they had just sent Gary Shack to the NFL, but But Frank's had yeah. just been drafted number one overall. So Miami already had an offense that was telling boys the tight ends making plays, and I wanted to go somewhere where they threw to the tight end because because when I was coming out, man, in 01, it offense was like it is now, where tight ends are more as important as your number one wide receiver when you have a good one. Um, so you had to kind of look at programs that already was using guys at that position. That like that was a part of their offense. So Miami made the pitch that I could come um, and, and continue to do what I was doing at a position. I was the number one tight end coming out of high school and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm about that. I want to score touchdown. So I'm in Miami. I'm going to go to the league because y'all just sent two dudes in the first round. Um, so all of that was set up and then they even showed up and that was it.
0: Yeah. Man, I,
1: that's I, that's a, I,
0: I wouldn't have had that same strike, man. If I saw the girls there, uh, that that would have Dude, sucked me in, man.
1: <laughs> Dude, you know, when you're in college, you're just young and dumb, man. You like, you like all of the pretty lights of water and the pretty girls. You about to, you about to sign four years of your life away for all of the wrong reasons. <laughs> <And I'm laughs> How did, my how did dad, Sabin, my how dad did, was like, "Yo, you gotta come home, bro. You can't go there." <laughs> oh,
2: okay, okay. So that was yeah. that was the ultimate decide of the proximity and saving just being the man.
1: Oh yeah, bro. It was saving. So saving was. I don't know why this resonated with me at the age, man. But the the one thing Nick Saban told me, and Jimbo Fisher recruited me. Jimbo Fisher was like my everyday recruit recruiter. Uh-huh. And then you know they, Saban would come to like big games. He'll come to like big basketball games. Uh, we played in the state championship my senior year and we lost, and I'm still not over it. But Saban <laughs> came to that. But but like he, he wasn't involved in the everyday kind of reaching out. That was Jimbo. You uh, know. Okay. Yeah. I just thought they had something special, man. I I thought the staff was great, and they were honest and. Nick told me he was like, man, that you best play what you gonna play. And everybody else was like, you gonna play and you're gonna do this and you gonna do that. And he just told me, he said, man, when you come, when you come there unless you you gotta compete for your spot. And just know if if, if you good enough to start for me, you'll be good enough to play on Sundays. And I was like, All right, I bet. So I trusted that what he told me, and it worked out.
0: Yeah, Nick Saban, I mean, what a what a guy. I mean, if he tells you that, I can see buying into that. But you obviously had a great career in college. I'm not going to list all your accolades because that'd be like reading a novel right now. So so we're going to go to when you got drafted and you yep. got drafted by Jerry and the Cowboys, man. Tell me, I'm, I'm interested. How many alcoholic beverages did you drink that night and did you have any shots of of anything good, cause uh, I feel like that's the way you gotta celebrate when you get drafted.
1: Man, I don't know how old you guys are, but I had a lot of hypnotic that night. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was that was uh. Um, here's those the uh, thing High volume videos. Yeah, here's the thing about me, man. I'm not a big drinker anyway. Um, but that night we got lit, and it was it was <laughs> uh like I got lit with. My mom, my dad, uncles, cousins, friends, everybody was lit, and then everybody got sober, and then they, everybody except me realized that they were still broke, and I had some pain for now. <laughs> um, so it was fun, man. Like like draft draft night is is I'll I say this draft day is nerve wracking, and unless you like a top, unless you like one of the top five guys. After that, it's like a free fall, bro. And you don't know. You could be thinking you going 10 and you go 30th You could be thinking you going 15 and you go second, third round, depending on how teams board change throughout that process. And I knew I was ranged somewhere between 15 and 25, like was my grade. And I ended up going 20 to Dallas. Um, So for me, my day was over pretty quick. But then you got your best friends in the draft, too, and you like, all right, let me go and support them, make sure they, you know, ain't nothing I can do about them getting drafted, but I can be there. So I remember Corey Webster was in that draft, and he went in the second round, um, and I went over and kicked it with Corey until he got drafted. And then when everybody was off the board, that's when we threw the party. And man, listen, it was a night to remember, dog. <laughs> it was it was a night to remember, man. It was great. It was great. So, Marcus,
0: I'm gonna buy a bottle of hypnotic this weekend and drink it in your honor. But it, I want to transition. Don't
1: don't do it fast, though, bro. I don't want to be responsible. Bro. Not the <laughs> entire bottle anyway. at one time. But yeah, man, I don't want to be responsible for you walking around naked somewhere and police got you. Like, <laughs> uh, not,
0: <laughs> not won't do that to uh, Saturday, but. Your rookie season, week 14 against the Chiefs, you had a 59-yard fumble recovery, and you got play-of-the-game football. I know you still have that. Where is it in your house?
1: Oh, I got it, man. It's in the office, man. Uh, It it was a great play. Um, I just can't remember nothing, but I got ran down, and it's embarrassing. Um, (laughs) But – but let me tell you the story, man, because so, so Bill Marcellus had ruled all his defensive and offensive linemen. We had to wear these knee braces, man. And you just, like, you couldn't run him. You could not, like, get a full strike. And I wasn't the fastest guy in the world. But I damn sure didn't need no extra weight on me trying to run back a punt return. Um, and I got walked down by an offensive lineman because I had to cut around brown Larry Johnson who was trailing me, and Roy Williams trying to throw the the block. And I don't know what the hell I'm thinking, that I'm going to cut back and get to the end zone. But I tried to cut back, and it was a no-no. But I still went 59 yards, man. I still got the ball, and my, um, my wife, who was my fiance at the time, got that picture, got that thing laminated for me, and I got a picture of it, too. That was the first big play I made in the league, man.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, you had a solid – solid nine-year career i mean 236 tackles 10 sacks three force fumbles yeah. but i think a lot of people especially now know you from tv and you made that transition when you went on dfw outdoorsman so can you uh yeah, tell man. us like man what gave you that itch to go on tv and why did you start there
1: well i'm a hunter man um and, and this is something here and to my heart man i just didn't i i love to hunt i grew up doing it from louisiana I, I fished with my grandfather growing up. So I always went outdoors. Man. Then I got into hunting. And just African Americans wasn't represented in the hunting culture. And my big thing was, I was, I know for me, I would have got in trouble. I would have been locked up. I would have sold drugs if it wasn't for sports. Where I'm from. Like that, that's the alternative. Um, and I know it's, it's a lot of dudes with stories like that. So well, I'm, I'm not saying that to try to separate myself, but I also knew that hunting for a lot of impoverished kids, not just black kids, hunting for a lot of impoverished kids, it it teaches you so many lessons, bro. It teaches you responsibility. You gotta. It teaches you responsibility with a gun. Um. It teaches you responsibility with animals and and realizing that when you Harvested an animal. It's a, it's a responsibility to go with that. So that's what I was trying to show, and also have fun. Like I, I love having fun. Y'all know that. Oh I, yeah. If I'm not having fun, I ain't doing. That. I'm not doing it. That's my that's my motto in life. I don't have like this big philosophical, deep, um, you know, well thought out idea about life. I'm trying to have fun. I'm trying to make sure the people that I love know I love them and I'm trying to make sure that I do good by other people. That's really the only principle that I live by in life, bro. So the hunjo was a manifestation of me really trying to show love and also do something um for the greater good of people that wouldn't necessarily have that experience and, and give them something else to look forward to as opposed to trying to trying to do what's going on in the neighborhood.
0: Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, I uh, So you know, I know you started there, but man, you really worked your way up through the SEC network uh, on the Paul Feinbaum show, Thinking Out Loud. And now, man, you're on the mothership, man. You're on ESPN, First Take, Get Up, NFL Live, man. You are the swag goo. So what's it like being on the top of all sports media, man?
1: Oh, man, it's a blast, man. I, you know, dude, it's, um, it, it, it's one of those... It's one of those situations where you don't really ever think about that you gonna end up there. Like I never thought that, you know. For me, I was just doing what I what I wanted to do. I never was thinking about, oh, I need to level up and go to the big show or the big network. Or I always wanted to go on first take because I wanted to get as even a. Yeah. But I never thought that. I never thought that it would be like something that would become one of the things at ESPN. Um, but do what I do. What I do on television. It's what I grew up seeing my dad and my uncles do. And what I do on TV is what I grew up in the barbershop doing. Um, and I think, honestly, I think that's why people relate. And, and back to what I was saying earlier, I'm not trying to be the smartest guy out there, bro. I know what I know, right? And I think I think smart people, regardless of how much acumen you have as far as reading books or in business or in TV, the smartest people in the world are the ones that know what the hell they know and don't and know what they don't know. That's mm-hmm. the smartest people in the world. So, I'm not ever going I'm not, not ever going to get on TV and give y'all something fake. And I'm not ever going to get on TV and act like this corporate buttoned up dude cuz I ain't never been that. <laughs> and um, I I
2: think that's that's why you're so likable. And especially to everybody I know, cause it's just like, it's, it's, just like, you know, talking to your friends at a barbershop. Yo. So I'm curious, like, how do you go about preparation for shows like Get Up and First Take? Is it just like, because you're, a, you were a pro ball player and you know what you know, you can kind of just watch the games and, and just go on it, you know, the next day and, and talk as long as you need, or do you, are you doing a lot of research? Like, how do you go about preparation?
1: Yeah, I'm researching, man. I, I- I, you know, obviously watching it, the, the, I tell people all the time, sports is the greatest thing because you see it, what's happening in real time, and all you do is react. Um, you know, I work with Mina Hams and Dan Orlovsky on NFL Live, and Mina is a stat genius. Mina can, oh yeah, Mina can make stats correlate to what you just watched in the game better than anybody on TV. And then Dan, mm-hmm. his his ability to break down offense and not only the quarterback, Back position but to tell you why and how people are having success or why and how they look terrible. And then my role is to tell you, man, Jamal Adams knocked the hell out of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and right, then when, right. and then when I feel like there's a there's there's a intricate something that needs to be explained football-wise, then I go and to my years in the film room, and my years in the D-line room, and my years in in the in with the defensive coordinators and putting game plans together, trying to figure out how they're gonna stop people. So I think you gotta have a range. But but my preparation, man, really is my life. But uh-huh. also doing this job, I got a responsibility to 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 sometimes speak the foreign language of football that not everybody understands. Yeah. And try to give right. it to him where he can understand what's happening, you know. So, keeping the balance, you know, we we, we, we throw terms around like we throw RPO around, right? Run past, right? Our, right, right. And somebody right. might say that five times, and you have people on TV like, What the hell is he talking about? What the hell is the RPO? It's mm-hmm. When you have a run, when you can run the ball, or you can pass the ball on the same play, right? But simple but stuff like that is sometimes I gotta realize that when you just get on there and you say RPO. You might be talking over somebody's head. And for me, that's when I come in. That's when I'm like, look, this was a terrible play by this dude. This is why, and you don't need no, no detail about it. Like, mm-hmm. look what happened, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, a lot of my preparation is just just being in the game for a long time. And then, through man, the, the bottom line is, I, I firmly believe this, and it might not be the case for everybody, you got to really love and enjoy sports in order to do what I do. And right. I really love and enjoy sports, man. Like that's I, awesome. I I love it, dude. Like, like basketball is my favorite sport to watch. I've said that a thousand times. I love well, college basketball is my favorite sport to watch. NBA playoffs is my favorite professional sport to watch. Mm-hmm. And big matchups with great quarterbacks are my favorite football games to watch. That's um cool. and that's how I do it. And then when I'm watching baseball. Oh, man, like, I got to be honest, my son, because he <laughs> loved baseball, I had to, like, learn something about it. So now I watch baseball. And I, you know, I I realized I had – I wanted to find out why Mike Trout was so good. Like, uh uh-huh. mm-hmm. And I wanted to know, you know, like, they talking about this dude. Is, he could have an argument in his career for being the best baseball player ever and all of that. And I'm like, man, get the hell out of here, dude. Like I watch, yeah. you know, I watch, I watch Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron, documentaries, and I know about Albert Pujols and Barry Bonds, and you know, even the steroid area. And I tell people all the time, man, you take all of them steroids, you won't. My son can not hit a curveball right now, going for them out. <laughs> So, so steroids ain't gonna help your ass put that bat on that ball, man. Um, so I, I'm just a sports fan, bro. That's it,
0: for sure. Um, Margaret, we'll get you out of here on this. We like to, uh, when we have any big time special guests on here, like to try to make the interview a little bit different. Something you may have never done before. So are you up for it? It's a little 10 question rapid fire. Let's do it, man. All right. So number one, get a sack or make Stephen A. Smith speechless.
1: <laughs> Stephen A. Speechless. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to
0: see that. Uh, yeah. Are you a sprite or mountain dew guy?
1: Sprite. Got to be cold. Good
0: answer. Uh the Joker or Lex Luthor? Joker. All right. Would I like you rather be fun. Hey, I like that. See? I like how you tied that in. Um would you rather be stranded on an island alone or with the person that you hate the most?
1: The person I hate the most.
0: <laughs> wow, okay. Wasn't expecting that one. Would you no. rather have a rewind button for your life or a pause button?
1: Oh, uh, man, that's a good one. Uh, pause. I like where I'm at now.
0: All right. Be strong but look frail or be frail and look strong?
1: Be strong and look frail. <laughs> <laughs> uh might you- they figure out I'm wrong.
0: That's right. They'll try to run at you and then just be surprised. <laughs> I, mean, I like that. Would you rather speak to animals or speak every language?
1: Speak to animals. They not going to lie to you.
0: That's good. Man, it's, what? See, <laughs> I'm, I'm sleeping on Swagoo's like, like, knowledge here. Like He's just spitting some like really good stuff he's, right he's now. he yeah, 100 emojis.
1: Say, bro, animals wake up in the morning and they try to figure out how they're going to eat and what they're going to do to it and that's, that's the truth would you, you rather eat
0: a, brownies huh uh, oh i'm saying would you rather eat brownies with the chance that there uh, are rocks in them or eat an entire jar of mayonnaise
1: brownies with the chance of wood in them
0: with uh rocks
1: rocks yeah, or like a jar it. of mayonnaise you're
0: so not a you're not a risk taker Swaggoo. i was on your no, side bro.
1: Hey man, man, they suck, but I ain't about to. I ain't about to break my teeth out of my mouth trying to eat no damn brownie.
0: <laughs> all right, would you rather fight a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck?
1: One horse-sized duck.
0: Because you would uh just take them down.
1: Yeah, I can at least see him. I can't see all of them coming at me.
0: A, a horse-sized duck is probably like somewhat. A little bit bigger than an offensive lineman, so yeah, I feel like that's a no-brainer. Yeah,
1: I'll be, I'll be, I'll be you know, <laughs> big dude. That's a big dude question that's easy, man. <laughs>
0: all right, this, this one's the most one you have to think about. It's the last one. A man approaches you with $10 million in their hand, and he tells you that a snail is going to chase you for the rest of your life, and if it touches you, you die a painful death. It can't be killed, and it knows your location at all times. It's only purpose is to find you. Would you take the $10 million or would you not take it?
1: Nah, he the 10000000 million. I'll figure out how to make it another way.
0: I like, I like I, that. I like that. Well, Marcus, <laughs> man, you honestly, I knew it was going to be awesome to talk to you. Like I know the vibes you are on TV, but man, it, it was even more of a pleasure than I thought. And I appreciate you putting up with us uh, in this weird interview we are giving you and um, really appreciate your time.
1: Nah, it's all good, man. Respect, man. Y'all keep doing what y'all doing. And if I can support, I support bro. no doubt. Y'all keep doing this, man. Hey,
2: man, Amen. you got
1: anything you want to plug? Not really, man. Just I want to plug Jesus, bro. That's it. Love God, man. Everything else will fall into place.
0: I'm going to keep
1: a lookout for your son, future prospects list. He comes for sure. He oh, yeah, man, win better, win better, better get <laughs> in that major leagues, man. I told you, insurance <laughs> policy.
0: <laughs> that's awesome hey everybody listening I know you've seen this man on TV but if you're not following him I don't know what you're doing he's at mspears 96 on Twitter and Instagram
1: thank you Mr. Swag Goo alright man y'all take care bro this was fun man